Hello, friends. Welcome to Josiah Venture Stories. You will hear incredible stories of life change from the mission field and be inspired by the movement of God in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Gwen Gardner, and I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. Today on the show is Jonathan Rosen. After many summer internships in the Czech Republic, Jonathan began serving full-time with Josiah Venture in October of 2012. He and his wife, Veronica, and their daughter, Haley, live and serve in the city of Ostrava, Czech Republic, where they help lead their local church's high school and young adults ministries. They also focus on encouraging and equipping youth ministry leaders throughout the city of Ostrava. Jonathan and Veronica were both transformed by the grace of Jesus that saves and forgives, and they want to see hundreds and thousands of Czechs discover and receive this grace too. They love training, discipling, and teaching so that Czech students and leaders can grow in joy, holiness, and as disciple makers who follow Jesus and help others to do the same. Currently, Jonathan is waiting in the hospital for a heart transplant. Today, he will share more of that story, how he and his family are doing, and how you can be praying for them as they are in a difficult time of waiting and trusting in the Lord. Jonathan, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Gwen. It's great to be here. It's good to see you from across the ocean. That's right. Across the ocean, and you're in a hospital room, and I'm in my office in America. Like, what? (laughs) I know, but thankfully, my wife brought me like a nice shirt, so I'm not in my hospital pajamas for the recording, so that's great. (laughs) Oh, well, Jonathan, it is so good to have you on the show. You are someone who I've known pretty much my entire Josiah Venture journey. That's crazy. Um, That's right. Yeah. Even before you were full time, we we ran the amazing race yes. side by side. In 2011, I, I remember meeting you in mm-hmm. Prague and I was like, oh man, this guy <laughs> loves Jesus. That's like really what I was like. This guy is on fire for Jesus and is on fire for what's happening in the Czech Republic. So, oh man, those are fond times, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, those are great times back then. Younger, free, <laughs> yeah. eating French fries, talking about being new to the mission field as we all were I know. at that time. I know. It's it's wild. Oh my gosh. Well, as we just start this interview, there's lots to talk about, but just what do you want people to know right here in the beginning? You can talk about your family. I know you love your dear wife and your daughter. You can talk about them. Where are you from? You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. So originally from California, but I call San Antonio, Texas home. We have a great sending church there called Wayside Chapel. They've been a huge blessing to us for all the years I've been in ministry and especially in this season too. And we live in the third largest city in the Czech Republic in Eastern Czech called Ostrava. And I do love it here. I love what we get to do in the ministry here. And what else do I want you to know? I mean, we have a daughter who's 15 months old and she's learning a new word every week. Yeah, She just started saying happy and adding sign language to it. And I'm I'm quite clean shaven. I'm not clean shaven now, but my beard is much shorter now than it usually is because I was going to have to cut it off for the heart transplant. So we just jumped out ahead of it and said, we're just going to cut the beard off. And that way, when they have to trim it or have to shave, it's a lot easier when it comes. So a couple, couple interesting things about me there, about our family. And yeah, still thankful for what God is doing here. And I'm looking forward to being on the other side of this for sure. Getting back to youth group. Yes. Getting back to conferences or meeting with people or 
being able to walk around the block and not be out of breath or anything yeah. like that. So I'm looking forward to all those things on the other side of this as well. There are many things to look forward to, Jonathan. So, oh my gosh. Okay, we're going to get into this whole like heart transplant. What? We're going to get into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, I would love to hear even just some of your journey of faith and also just how you even got connected to Josiah Venture. Yeah. So I, I was raised in a Christian family. I remember accepting Jesus when I was four years old. And I think it was real at that time. It wasn't a, I'm afraid of hell. So I trusted in Jesus. For any of you who grew up in church or Sunday school, maybe that was your experience. You had some friends. Yeah. That was my who, mom's experience. You know, yeah. Heard about, <laughs> yeah. I heard about hell. It's like, I don't want that. So they trusted in Jesus. I remember in kindergarten, I was at a Christian school and a girl came to class one day and she told our teacher that she had accepted Jesus over the weekend. And our teacher was like, hooray, let's celebrate. And she got like a gift bag and a Bible. I thought, that's cool. I accepted Jesus last year before <laughs> school. So I told my teacher and she was like, that's great. I was like, isn't this the same? Wait a second. Where's, where's my I Bible? I didn't get any goodie bag or anything. I know, I know. So I accepted Jesus too soon. I didn't get any goodie bag. Ah, shoot. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Kidding. But, you got a goodie bag um, of grace, a goodie bag of I got a grace. goodie bag of grace that has been <laughs> unending. That's absolutely true. So we moved to Texas when I was 14, and that's where I call home. And that's where I discovered that I wanted to do youth ministry. I was thinking about what I wanted to do after high school, and I began to discover that I was really impacted by the youth pastors I had had in junior high and high school. And I thought, wow, I want to have an impact on the next generation like they've had on me. Yeah. Uh, my family had some difficulties relationally. I also had an addiction to pornography in junior high and high school. And these were young men, and not just young men, young men, older men, who really walked walked me through those things, discovering grace and my identity in Christ. Uh, when my parents got divorced, it was a youth pastor who walked me through that wow. and gave me wisdom. Uh, you know, his parents had gotten divorced when he was a freshman in college. And so thanks to him and God's work through him, he God helped me avoid a lot of mistakes that would have been made with good intentions, Mm -hmm. but just not knowing. So I'm very grateful for the men and women in my years, junior high, high school, and college who helped me grow in Christ, who helped me uh, deal with hurt and pain in my life and discover my purpose in ministry. And so I went to Moody Bible Institute to do youth ministry in the States. That was my plan. And then a professor of youth ministry said to our class one day, he said, We're encouraging all of our youth ministry majors to think about doing youth ministry overseas because the United States has 3% of the world's youth and 97% of the trained youth workers. Wow. And the rest of the world has 97% of the world's youth and 3% of the trained youth workers. And in that moment, that first day of my sophomore year, I think the Holy Spirit did something new in my mind and heart and kind of pulled back a curtain and said, look out this part of the window of your mind's eye, so to speak. And there was youth ministry in Eastern Europe. I had been on a mission trip with my church to Eastern Ukraine uh, uh, that summer. Mm -hmm. It wasn't through JV, but it was a great experience. We shared the gospel. We did a lot of youth ministry activities. And I thought, wow, this is, that's really interesting. This is really doable. And Moody was offering Russian for the very first time. Oh, wow. So I changed my schedule. I signed up for Russian And I started thinking and dreaming about whether or not this was just kind of a crazy idea or something really from the Lord. And then a month or two later, it just was still there, just kind of sitting there like, wow, I really think this could be the direction. And then another professor was bringing a team to 
the Czech Republic with Josiah Venture over spring break. Mm. So I signed up for that trip with the goal of getting to know Josiah Venture and discerning if this could be a good fit for me. And at the end of that trip, one of the missionaries asked us, he said, who is thinking about coming back for longer? And about five of us raised our hand and he said, okay, now I know who I've been praying for. Oh, and I wow. think, I think the Holy Spirit told me in that moment, Jonathan, he's been praying for you. And I thought, what? This guy's been praying for me. He didn't even know me. Didn't even know that I existed before this trip. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, I said to him and I said to my professor, I'd love to come back and do this more. So that was March, 2008. I did a summer internship in 2009. I did seven months in 2010. At the end of that internship, I was invited to join JV full-time. And so I did a summer in 2011, another summer in 2012. Oh my gosh. October, 2012, I was fully funded and I moved to the Czech Republic to work on the national camps team in the Czech Republic. So this October will be 11 years yeah. here on the field with yeah. JV. And I love it. It's been great. There's been challenges for sure, but I'm really thankful for what I get to be a part of here. That was a big part of even that first trip when Dave Patty shared about the vision and mission of Josiah Venture and what they're doing. I thought, yeah, I, I thought, wow, this is what my life could be about. Mm. And so God willing... I'm thankful it's still about it, and God willing, it'll keep being about that going forward. So that's how I got involved with JV and a bit of my faith journey as well. They're interwoven a lot. Totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And did you ever think like, oh, wow, I'd be here 11 years? Or did you come in like, I don't know? When I studied missions at Moody, we read a book of missionary biographies. And so many of the missionaries, their history, it was very lifer oriented. You know, they would they would pack a trunk and get on a boat. Six months later, they'd arrive to their destination. And sometimes their, their trunk was also their coffin. You know, there was no expectation to come back. And so for me, I thought, man, I can just buy a plane ticket and be over there today. This is really doable. But the stories I had read were people who were doing it kind of forever. So I, I kind of had the idea, this is just where I'm going. And mm-hmm. I, there was no timeline. Yeah. Per se. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's actually, I would say that was as I've been on the mission field and discovering just how God works in lots of different missionaries and how some missionaries come thinking, yeah, this is what I can give for two years. And then God, I think God's going to take me somewhere else. And some come thinking just two years, they stay for 12. Others like come me. thinking, <laughs> 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some come thinking they'll be here for 15 and the direction changes after four. Right. So discovering. All the different ways God is working in that has been even a learning experience for me. And it's, I think, helped me hopefully help other people discover that God could use them in missions, even if their ideas maybe don't match what they read in a book or heard about in class or the missionary's testimony in church, because there's a wide, wide range of how God has used people out here and around the world. No, that's so good. I think like God can use anything and take anyone in any direction and... He just writes incredible stories. And so all we have mm-hmm. all, you know, all and all we have to do is surrender. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's all we have to do. Just surrender and, our life. I mean, I think, yeah, to be open, I never dreamed I would be doing ministry outside the US. Some people have heard stories where they say something like, God, I'll go anywhere. Just don't send me to Africa or to you know, yeah, wherever yeah. it is. And I never had that, but missions was never on my radar. No one had ever said to me, Have you thought about missions? It, it was not on the list. It just was totally 
not even an idea. So it was just a, a brand new thought. So for anyone listening, if you've never thought about missions, at least put it on the list. Yeah. Just put it there yeah. as something that God might do. That's Beyond right. Beyond the I'll do anything except that and like, you know, and then God takes you there. <laughs> it could just be you didn't know the option was there. And yeah. so just just put it on the list and see, you know, if something gets stirred up. That's good. Jonathan, you're already giving advice to people. I love it. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, so thank thank you for sharing. Yeah, you're journey with faith, your journey with Josiah Venture. And yeah, 11 years later, mm-hmm. now you're sitting, now you're sitting in a hospital room waiting it for is- a heart transplant. Like, so I just want, I want to hear the whole story. However you want me to say It's not where I, where I or my family expected to be. That's for sure. And I say that, but I mean, with, with suffering or pain, None of us are, none of us experience that and say like, yeah, I was totally expecting yeah, this. Yeah, you know, usually yeah. it's a surprise, but even in the midst of it, it's still this like, I think we all know, I know, kind of theoretically, you know, like suffering will happen in life and right. we don't know when or what yeah. type. Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, there's pain in my past too. And there's always kind of that hope, like, have I put in my time? You know, have I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got it done. The rest, this should be clear sailing. Yeah, one bad thing, one bad thing can happen and then everything else is smooth sailing. That's yeah, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I know a lot of people listening probably know that's not true, but it can be difficult to, you don't like live in that reality every day, which yeah. I don't think we're supposed to, but it's it was a surprise for sure. So I've had some back issues. This isn't related, but I've had, I have some back injuries that have gotten in the way of my typical ministry life and and family life and social life. So I, after uh, I got COVID a couple of years ago, my back just really went out. One of my herniated discs doubled in size, doubled the Yeah. So I was out for about six months. During that time, thankfully, we were able to use that capacity to serve Ukrainian refugees from the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, just was a season where because of uh, my back and because of ministry changes, we were in an in-between season. And so we came out of that with some momentum. My back was getting better. We had just had six months of, I really think God had been using us to serve our church and serve Ukrainians. And we were looking forward to getting involved in uh, mentoring young leaders in our city. And then in the fall, I I started to have more and more what I thought were gut issues. And it just was, it wasn't getting in the way, but I just noticed that something was off. So we went to the the U.S. for our home assignment uh, this past winter. And while we were there, I was getting some back treatment done and trying to check all my health boxes. Okay, I got this gut thing, fixing my back. I finally got a a GP, which I hadn't had for years. When you go to the mission field, (laughs) your medical stuff kind of becomes like real wishy-washy. Yes. And you got (laughs) to... You're like, how do I do this? Yeah. 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 So... By the end of it, I did get a diagnosis on my gut that I had uh, something called gastroparesis, mm-hmm. which means that my stomach wasn't digesting food at a normal speed. It was digesting right. food much more slowly. And so we thought, okay, that's the cause of this, whatever's going on. And when you look up the causes, there's not a lot of causes for it. You just have to manage it with diet. Yeah. So I came back end of March this year. And then in April, I just wasn't getting better. And then my ankles started swelling up quite a bit. 
And here in Czech, I didn't have a GP. So you kind of have to go to the, at least for my me, yeah. I have to go to the ER. Yeah, just like emergency checked. room, you know. <laughs> yeah. And here, my personal experience is you have to be confident that you need the ER. If you show up at the ER and they're like, what are you here for? And they're like, well, I have this like thing that maybe needs help. They're like, we, yeah. you got to come in boldly. And so we were just kind of struggling, like, is do I need to get this checked out? Or not. And then after spring conference, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. I got a lung infection, which I'm prone to. I got kind of a bronchitis thing. Yeah. And we have good experience here at the hospital with the lung department. So I came in, they saw me, and Veronica, (laughs) Veronica, my wife, said, You know, I'm not letting this opportunity pass us up. She said, Also, by the way, can you look at his ankles? Yeah. The doctor said, Okay. And he looked at my legs and ankles. He said, Oh, I don't like that. That is not good. So he sent me to the cardio yeah. ER. And your wife is a Czech national, just for people who don't know. Yes. She also, that's good. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. My wife is Czech and she's been through it because, uh, you know, she's experiencing what it's like as an American to try and navigate, you know, healthcare right. in, a, in a foreign country. So she's been awesome through this whole process. So thankfully she mentioned my swollen ankles to this doctor and he sent me to the cardio ER and they saw it and they said, okay, like this is probably nothing. We're going to do the usual tests, but we're not expecting much. And they did the test and they're like, oh, actually, this is a very much of something. Oh my. So I ended up in the hospital for five days and they were running lots of tests. And I got diagnosed with myocarditis, which is swelling of the heart. And it's usually caused by some bacterial or fungal or viral infection. And that was and, and doctors, that was affecting your ankles. Well, yeah. So ankle swelling is usually one of, one of the causes can be that the, there's there's fluid building up down there because your heart isn't working well enough oh, to circulate okay. the liquid uh-huh. in your system. Thank you. So Thank that you. was one of the first. So, so ankle swelling, for anyone listening, can be a sign of heart failure. Of heart failure. It's wow. Okay. Of heart failure. I didn't know that. Know that. It can also be a sign of other things. It can come and go. But when they did my, when they, you know, did blood tests and an, e- and an ECG and all those things. They said, oh, something's wrong. So after all the imaging and tests for those five days, they said, you have myocarditis, so your heart is swelled up. And typically there isn't a treatment for that, except you you monitor it, you rest. And it's about a six to 12 month recovery. It just takes six to 12 months for your heart to recover from that infection. Mm-hmm. So went home, was taking medication, got in touch with a cardiologist. And then uh, we thought that was it. It was just say, okay, I got to take it easy for six to 12 months and just kind of slowly build back up as my heart recovers. And it was a student in our youth group. This is where it it turns to where where I'm at today. A student in our youth group said, hey, I heard you're still looking for a cardiologist or just looking for more information. My neighbor is one of the top three guys in the hospital in Ostrava. And I'm friends with his family. Send me your information and I'll walk over and just see if he'll take a look at it. So we did. And uh, this student's name is Ondra. So he went next door and that guy pulled up his laptop and pulled my file and read <laughs> right it. There. And said, just right there, yeah. Right there in his house. I wasn't there. Um, and told Ondra, he's like, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing. Something seems off. I'm going to send this further. So he sent it to the top cardiologist in the country. Wow. And one cardiologist saw my file and said, I'm going to take this case. So he called me, got some information. He looked at all of my imaging again. 
And he said, I'm seeing something in your heart MRI that looks like this disease called mm-hmm. amyloidosis. Wait, say it again. Amyloidosis. 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 Took me a month or two to get it right, too. Thank you. I, I saw it written and I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So I thought, okay, we'll get it checked out. But that is crazy. There's no way. So because, for example, here in the Czech Republic, there are eight patients with this disease out of a million people. Whoa. And less than half are under the age of 50. So I said, okay, he thinks he saw something, but there's, there's yeah, no way. Like I'm this guy's young. This. this Like this can't yeah. be it. Yeah. So we went to the hematologist here in Ostrava and we ran the tests. And unfortunately it came back positive that mm-hmm. I had or have stage four cardiac. That means it's mainly affected my heart. AL, that's the type, amyloidosis. So there's a okay. few different types. And what that means is about two to three percent of my body's plasma is creating these malformed immunoglobins or immunoproteins called amyloids. Because they're malformed, they're not soluble. Yeah. The body doesn't know how to process them or get rid of them. So as they as more and more get produced, they settle um, on organs and then begin to interfere with that organ's healthy function. Okay. They also connect together and create fibers. So what happened is these amyloid fibers have lodged in my heart tissue and they're not releasing toxins, but they are interfering with my heart's healthy function. They're kind yeah. of in yeah. the way. And currently, at least with the heart, there is no known way to remove those amyloids from a heart. The only way to treat it is with a heart transplant or to catch it early enough that you treat the disease so it doesn't damage the heart further. But by the time we caught it, my heart was already too damaged. Mm -hmm. And my hematologist told us, he said, the treatment for this disease can prolong your life and a heart transplant could save your life. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough day. Yeah, like how do you... That news. Like, whoa, that is heavy. Yeah. That's heavy news. Yeah. You know, at that time, I was married for for four years and three months, and my daughter's one year old. So Yeah. Like, You're like, wait a, a second. Lot. Wait a second. We're not supposed to be dealing with heart yeah. stuff yet. Yeah. Um, man, so thankful. By God's grace, that high school student went the extra mile and just yeah. said, I'm going to go ask my neighbor. Because if that didn't happen, there's a good chance that this wouldn't have been diagnosed properly yeah. for- a long time. Weeks or months. Yeah. And the reality is if this had gone undiagnosed, it's it's likely I would be with Jesus within a year. Wow. Like, do they, do just, they even know like how or when it started? Uh, my hematologist guessed that this started a year ago. Okay. But there is no known cause of this disease. Right. There's a different yeah. type of the disease that it can be hereditary, but the type I have, there's no known cause it just happens yeah. to a few people. Okay. So, so we began treatment uh, to manage my heart failure, but also and also to treat the disease itself. And thankfully, the hospital here in Ostrava is the center for research and treatment of this disease for the whole country. Wow. So it's a huge blessing there. And then we also b- began preparation for an eventual heart transplant. Mm-hmm. The... Hospital that does heart transplants is two hours away in a city called Brno. 
So I've been there a few times. We've done tests to get everything ready so that when a heart is available, I will be there to receive the transplant. So uh, I shared today with friends and family and supporters that after three months, after three months of treatment for the disease itself, I'm in remission. So by God's grace, I've responded really well to the treatment and it's worked really effectively on the disease itself. Yeah. So now we can safely pause it while I wait for the heart transplant, which hopefully we're praying will be sooner than later. Yeah. So it's been a whirlwind three months. You know, I've been in a hospital now for three weeks. I'm on the urgent level of heart transplants Mm -hmm. for the waiting list. I'm also next on the list right now. So So it's like any any moment or any day. Yeah. It could be today. It could be Christmas. We're praying that it's a lot closer to today than Christmas. Yes, yes. Uh, because I have to stay in the hospital essentially until the transplant occurs. That's protocol uh, because protocol. Um, so I can be very easily and quickly accessible when the heart is available and to monitor me to make sure nothing bad happens to me between now and the heart transplant regarding, you know, heart failure and things like that. Yeah. So it has, it has been a surprising uh, journey. We didn't anticipate this at no. all. Um, no. But we, we but we are here, and uh, we can still smile and laugh and make jokes as well. So I'm grateful for that. That's I always say. Uh, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. Just like you gotta like throw in some comedy there in the midst of mm-hmm. pain and suffering. And you mentioned yep. you mentioned a few like ways the Lord has been providing for you and your family. Are there any other? Yeah, any other ways that you've seen the Lord just like totally like providing this this student who like knew a cardiologist like what? Like that's crazy. Like is there any any other stories like that? I mean, that's the big one that uh, allowed us to get it diagnosed properly. You know, that's a huge gift through this. Also, uh, we have a GoFundMe that was created to uh, to help my family members come visit from the States yeah. and to pay for extra travel and lodging. And so many people have donated to that. That made it possible for my mom, my dad, and stepmom, my my brother and sister-in-law to travel out here and spend time with us, help babysit Haley, cook, be around, just mm-hmm. get quality time together. So that's been a huge blessing. So many people, people we don't know, have donated to that. And also, so many people are praying for us by name, which is a huge gift. I know that so many people in the world have never had anyone pray for them by name, in Jesus' name. Yeah. And so to not only have our JV family, our Czech church family, my sending church, but then as people have passed on our story into their networks of friends or mission agencies, to have so many people uh, praying for me by name is a, it's a huge gift. I don't take it for granted at all because I know even some people don't experience one person getting to do that for them right. by name. Right. And I've had hundreds, maybe over a thousand people pray at least once for me and my family by name through this mm. time. So that's been a huge blessing that I know we experience in really concrete ways and intangible ways. Let's see other things. I mean, Josiah Venture has been super supportive through this as they've worked with our family through this health transition and work mm-hmm. in ministry. Our team has been great. And that the treatment has worked. I mean, there's no 
there was no guarantee that the the treatment, it's a four-drug mix that I get weekly. So it's a monoclonal antibody, steroids, and two different chemotherapies. And so that's typically a two-year protocol. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a huge blessing that after three months, I'm in remission. You know, my doctor, you know, he's a hematologist, oncologist. So even when he speaks optimistically, it's very level. It's like, this is good news. You know, that's kind of the, the most optimistic right. he gets. And does he does he speak to you in Czech or does he speak to you in English? I, I speak with him in English. Okay, because I'm know, like, how overall. is your, I know your Czech is good, Jonathan, but I don't know about all these like medical <laughs> You're terms. in the hospital. I learn a new word or phrase every week. Like you know, Haley, comes learning, <laughs> learning Yes, yes. In the hospital, there's always something new that I didn't know how to say or communicate before that I'm figuring out in Czech. But with him, I communicate in English. And I think genuinely he's very pleased that the treatment has worked so well. And that's another thing too. This particular treatment was approved in 2021. So Whoa. I'm one of the first groups of people in this country and, you know, in the world to be treated with this uh, new set of, of drugs. Yeah. Wow. Together. The, okay. The study, the clinical trials concluded in 2020, it was approved for treatment in 2021 and that's a huge gift too. If I had been diagnosed with this four years ago or during COVID, yeah, this particular treatment probably wouldn't be available. There's many, many things to be thankful for. Uh, I hope, I believe that God is using us in my wife's family's lives. Veronica's the only believer in her family. And mm. as we're trying to be salt and light, even just how we go through this, and we, we are seeking to be vocal about our faith to share the good news, but also as we walk through it, hopefully with peace and honesty and joy in the midst of the pain and hopefully without bitterness or when there's bitterness, just being honest about that and not letting us, uh, not letting it cause us to sink, but being open. I I hope, I believe that God is using it as Mm -hmm. salt and light in her family and among other people that we know. So Those are some of the things people have cooked us a lot of meals, you know, as uh, we've had to go to the hospital a number of times and taking care of Haley in this season, you know, everything takes more energy now. So, so many of our JV missionaries and friends and family from church have cooked us meals, have babysat. I mean, so many hours of babysitting, so many meals just to help lift the weight on our family. Also, it's a, a real gift from God. You know, we've got a lot of great food in the midst of that, but really it has lifted the burden with us, even in those small ways. A lot of people, you know, ask when someone is going through something like this, how can we help? What can we do? And there's not always a lot of things, but the prayers, the donating, the meals, the babysitting, Mm -hmm. all of going the extra mile, you know, to a neighbor, all of those have really lifted the the weight yeah. on our shoulders to carry it with us that I'll be forever grateful for. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture of just community coming around you, surrounding you and carrying one another's burdens, like just all those verses mm-hmm. come to mind. Yeah. Yeah, even we've had friends and JV colleagues pick up family from the airports and drive them back to the airport. And I don't, for those of you listening, some of you might live close to an airport, maybe 30 minutes from an airport. But Ostrava, the closest airport is two hours away. So to have someone to say, yeah, I'll go pick up, you know, your yeah, family yeah. 
and drive them here. And that's a two to three hour drive each way. You know, so for them, that's six, two, that's four to six hours just in one day to drive there, pick them up. So people even doing that, you know, it was a huge, yeah, that's a blessing huge gift for, a, yeah. for our family. Oh my goodness. Jonathan, just, <laughs> I'm just so thankful for you to even just share it, with a smile on your face as well. And I, I for sure know that this has been a hard journey for you, but also I have always known you to be someone who trusts fully in Jesus and like trust in his good plan. And just even as you're talking about like being salt and light among just like Veronica's family, that's no small thing. And I just want, wanted to know too, like, are there any other stories that you have about being salt and light to other patients in the hospital, to nurses, to doctors? I don't know. <laughs> like, Yeah, there are, are some I do want to be bolder for sure. And I admit, I'm in the trenches with all of you out there. The The first month, there was kind of that newness and that zeal to it. Like, okay, we're in this, yeah. let's go. And I, I know in the last month, the last three to four weeks, I've definitely, it's felt like more of a slog to sure. initiate conversations, to communicate. I've been more tired. And so like the rest of you listening, there are weeks or months where you might be really passionate or there, it comes easier in weeks or months where you're just tired. So the first, so there are sometimes, uh, the first month, uh, I was in getting my, uh, chemo treatment over the weekend admitted in the hospital because they wanted to see how I would react to it. Mm-hmm. And I had a 17 year old roommate who was finishing his chemo treatment, which is great to kind of celebrate that with him. Yeah. But during that weekend, I got to pray for him I didn't get to, I think, share the gospel ways. It's like, do you want to believe in Jesus now? But I spent the weekend really trying to talk about my faith and share what I believe and open that door uh, in little ways. To I got to share with my hematologist that many people were praying for him and his family and for the other doctors for mm-hmm. wisdom in treating me. And he seemed very appreciative of that and really surprised. It was one of the few times where he's kind of smiled and I felt like the guard came down. And then... On and off in the hospital, my first week in the hospital when I had myocarditis, I was seeking to, I was offering to pray with the other two men in my room Mm -hmm. every night to say, hey, before we go to bed, can I pray? And they would usually say yes. I've always sought to be open with the roommates that I've had in the hospital about my faith or what I'm going through. And it's challenging as other people are going through this. When I'm getting chemo treatment, there can be someone sitting next to me getting chemo treatment and uh, and it can be difficult to navigate. Yeah. You know, do they do they want to talk? Do they have the energy? How well can I communicate and check? It's easy for me to have doubts. I definitely need to be in tune with the spirit to, to have confidence to cross, you could say, cultural norms to speak to a stranger and then speak to a stranger in a really... I would say in an environment that I'm very not used to. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I, I go by, I travel by tram all the time in Ostrava. I, I have a sense of what it feels like to cross that cultural norm, to talk to a stranger on the tram, but to navigate that in a, in an oncology unit as people are getting their chemo treatment, it's really out of the norm, even for me to say, okay, what does this look like here? I don't even know what this looks like in the States. And then with nurses and doctors, I was thinking today, I realized, you know, I could ask them more often when they come in and check me for stuff or give me pills. I could ask them and say, hey, I can't, I don't have any medical training, but I can pray 
for you or for anything in your life. So that is something I want to start doing more. There's not a lot of time to go to a nurse and yeah, I know. explain yeah. the gospel <laughs> while they're doing rounds, but I can ask if there's something I can pray for. Sure. For them, yeah. If that's something I'd like to start doing. And then actually a week or two ago, I couldn't sleep and I went into, there's a little waiting area on our floor. It was three in the morning and one of the nurses was there. And so we spoke for an hour about America, culture, healthcare systems, but then also church, faith, Jesus. Mm. Found out she had gone to a Seventh-day Adventist church as a child and was really inspired by the pastor and his wife. because she said what they had was real. It was really in their hearts. It wasn't just tradition yeah, or yeah. what they talked about. So to build on that and share the gospel with her again. And I encouraged her to read one of the gospels to get to know Jesus more. And so hopefully she'll, God will use that conversation plus the memories of the time in that church that were a blessing to her and her family to get her back into it. So those are some of the stories. I hope, God willing, there'll be a story where someone comes to Christ, whether it's someone from Veronica's family or a doctor. Uh, it's been encouraging to to meet a couple Christian doctors who can share that with me and say, wow, you're a Christian too. I'm going to be praying for you. It's encouraging to meet another believer because there aren't a lot of believers in check right now. No, yeah. So that's been encouraging too to get to uh, meet some other Christians. And I did get to share the gospel <laughs> for about a 30 minutes to an hour with a couple of high school nurses. They were doing their practicums <laughs> and they wanted to practice English. So I was just talking with them. And then one of the nurses, he looked at me, he said, so why are you here? And I, was, I said, okay, God, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say why I'm here. I'm here because I want people to know Jesus. I'm a Christian. I just really went into it. And after like a 15-minute monologue, which may have been too long, the guy said, wow, that was great. I was asking like, why are you here in the hospital? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you were like, oh, I, said, I walked oh. right into that. Yeah, just like. <laughs> yeah. I was like, go. oh, uh, yeah, that, oh, that's cool. totally legitimate. Mm -hmm. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So so we got to. So we to chat about that too. And he said, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe that. But I said, yeah, but you know, everyone starts somewhere. Yeah. No one starts believing. So he got it even without meaning to ask. <laughs> so that was, that was fun. Oh my goodness. So those are a few stories. It's just trying. It's in the trenches, you know? Oh just, yeah. Some days or weeks, it's simple. Some days or weeks, it's hard. A lot of times it feels like being on an airplane. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a neighbor and you're like, I know I could talk, try and talk with them about Jesus. And maybe you try in the first hour or maybe you wait to the last hour. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe something natural comes up in the middle and you actually have a really great conversation. When the meal comes. You know, and it goes yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of other times you think, okay, I have eight hours. I'm going to try and read the Bible. And you do that for 30 to 60 minutes, but I'm an extrovert. And so I can only focus <laughs> in silence for so long. It's hard. Oh my God. And then eventually it's like, I'm going to watch a couple movies or try and read or take a nap. And so a lot of times it can feel like being on an airplane. You see a lot of opportunities and the environment also has some opportunities and challenges to rest, to be leisurely, so to speak, and mm -hmm. also try and see what God is doing. And it's all mixed together. Sure, and, sure. You know, every week is kind of like a new flight. It's like, oh, you know, that flight, wow, I got to talk to that person. They're really interested. And the next week, like I didn't, there was just, I just was wiped out. I got yeah, nothing. I just, yeah. I watched Netflix. I connected with my family when they visited and I, I tried to have a good attitude. Right. You know, so it's it's been all that kind of mixed together. That's life though, right? That's uh, going through life, being human, trying to do the best we can, living, living, mm -hmm. 
how Christ would want us to in the hospital, it, you know, wherever you are on a flight. Yeah. yeah. I really like what you said, mm-hmm. though, about um, you can always ask someone if they need prayer. Like no one has ever turned me down when I've asked if they need prayer. And so it's like, okay, that's something that we can always do. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I learned that from my college roommate who would do that when we would pray for meals. Mm-hmm. You know, the waiter would come. He said, okay, by the way, we're Christians. We're about to thank Jesus for our food. Is there anything in your life we could pray for? Oh, so hey. That's, that's, how I, that's how I learned that. And a lot of times a waiter or waitress would say, uh, yeah, that just like the world's a better place. We're like, okay, cool. Yeah, once in a while, the waiter or waitress would say something like, actually, like, like my mom is sick or something like that. Yeah. So you never know. But that's one of the, if sharing the gospel, and this is true for me, if you know, sharing the gospel is hard or just initiating that conversation to say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? One of the best ways to start is just to start asking people you know if you can pray for them. Mm-hmm. And if they say yes, to pray for them right there. or at the, And then if even if they don't, you won't pray for them. If it's someone you see regularly, you know, commit to praying for that prayer request, you know, every day for a week or a month and then follow up. Hey, I've been praying for that every day for a week. Has anything changed? God reminded me that that's something I can do here because a nurse can share something quickly as they're going through the whole thing and I'll see them often. And I had kind of forgotten about that last few weeks. So now I get to take that, you know, going forward. Well, speaking of prayer, Jonathan, how can people be praying for you and your family right now? Yeah. So really practically pray that I stay in remission. There's no clarity on how long I can be in remission. Some people in remission for years, some for weeks. So pray that the disease stays in remission. Pray that God provide heals my heart miraculously, or provides a heart for the heart transplant soon. The third one is on Friday, I'm going to the transplant hospital to wait there for a heart. And that is good because I'll be much closer. So when the heart's available, it'll, we'll just, yeah, process will start. Ready to go. Yeah. The challenge is, is that my wife and my daughter live here in Ostrava, two hours away. And so it'll be challenging to not see them every day during visiting hours and to navigate the logistics of what will that look like, you know, mm-hmm. while I'm in Brno and there in Ostrava? So please pray for our family in that. Pray for strength and peace for my wife, Veronica. Our daughter is 15 months and she's wonderful <laughs> and joyful. And it's it's a lot to carry yeah, with yeah. parenting by herself a lot. And we have friends and family that are helping so much. But also, you know, I think mentally, emotionally, it can be, Sometimes our suffering can be harder on the people who care about us mm-hmm. than than yourself if you're going through it. Right. Yeah. So uh, pray for three of us. Yeah. And that the people around us who are believers are encouraged in their faith through us, and the people around us who are not believers, that God uses this as part of His ways to bring them to faith in Jesus. For sure. Yeah. So I think those are the prayer requests right now for yeah, sure. That's great. Thank you for sharing those. And I'll be praying for you, Jonathan, and people listening, hopefully will pray for you too. Well, kind of shifting gears, but not really, because we're just talking about life. But the question yeah. we, we ask everyone on the podcast, because as Josiah Venture, we're a youth organization, we work with young people. The question I always ask is like, what advice would you give to young people today? Hopefully, 
something we've said, any young person who listens, something, yeah. there's some nugget from something we said that, that sticks out. No, there's, there's lots of nuggets in there. <laughs> but a specific thing today, this is what I'd say today is, it sounds dry, but I'm being reminded of how important it is to prioritize and pursue reading and meditating, memorizing God's word. Mm-hmm. I really, I really have been lately reminded of that. Part of it is in here; it can be a weakness, you know, to to focus on that, mm-hmm. to prioritize it when it can be easier to open Netflix still or to do something else. Yeah. But I have received, you know, lots of text messages with verses from parts of the Bible that I haven't read recently. It's like, oh, wow, I forgot that verse was there. I didn't know that verse was there. And it blessed me so much. Also, I'm realizing that the more of God's truth that I know, the more it really does help me and my family respond to this season of suffering surprise, and pain. Mm-hmm. The more of God's word that you you do know, you have your toolbox is so much bigger to respond to unexpected pain in your life and to walk through the paradox of following Jesus. We know that Jesus could have prevented me from getting this disease in the first place. Yeah. We also know that Jesus could, at any point, miraculously heal me of this disease. We also know that so far, Jesus is using his creation, doctors who've researched and studied and medicine and surgeons to heal me. And we also know, it's sad, but there's no guarantee about how this ends, so to speak. The guarantee is that me and my wife and my daughter one day, God willing, will all be with Jesus at some point. But there's no there's no guarantee about if, when, where, you know, mm-hmm. how. And knowing God's word more fully, I think has helped our family walk through this with, with more tools for all those different emotions or feelings mm-hmm. or experiences that come up yeah. in this time. And so it it does make a huge difference. And also, if I could give two, the second one would simply to, share, to reiterate the community part about how we've been so blessed by people who have prayed for us, given to us, made meals for us, babysat for us, served us by driving. And so any way that you as young people can look for concrete ways to serve the Christians around you, lean into those, mm, whether that's mm-hmm. a meal or babysitting or driving or praying for someone by name, offering to pray, if there's a place you can give money that will practically help someone or some group, I encourage you to do that. We've been so blessed and it's reminded me of how important it is to lean into the needs of the body of Christ around you mm. and how much of a blessing that is to those people because we've been so blessed, yeah, so lifted up, encouraged by that. So be open to that. So share your needs so yeah. that you can experience that and and ask God to keep your eyes open so you can lean into those and be a part of his work um, in his family's life through you. So that's what I would say. That's where I'll conclude it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. No, it just makes me think of those verses like, ask and you shall receive. And it's not just like, you shall receive, but you have to ask 
first. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. But oh man, thank you for for sharing all that you've shared today. I feel like I've learned more about hold on. Amyloidosis. Yes. You did it, Glenn. <laughs> yes. Way to go. Pop quiz for everyone out there. You can you can say it right after yeah, this podcast. Say it right. Praying for Jonathan in this. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for sharing about this and sharing like in the trenches even the joy in the midst of suffering and all of that. Is there, I'd like to say, is there anything else that you would l- want to share? If not, that's fine. Hey, it's been great to be on this podcast with you. I look forward to hanging out again. I know, yay. And none of us, none of us are immune. We all have stories of pain. I know you do too, Gwen. Yeah. And God is, uh, and you're continuing to walk with Christ. So if any of you are experiencing really difficult situations in your life, you're not alone, mm. and other people have walked through pain, and and their faith has remained, and they've experienced Jesus, and that can be your story too. Even if you don't know why or where it's the pain is coming from, or why you have to go through it, you you're not alone mm-hmm. in regards mm-hmm. to Jesus, and you're not alone in regards to the body of Christ. So, uh, if you are experiencing suffering or pain, you know, reach out to other people. You'll probably discover that a lot of other people have walked through it with Jesus too. And you're meant to do it together. That's so. right. That's right. We are meant to do this life together. That is good. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when I get a new heart, I'll be able to share the gospel even more effectively. If I can't, you know, <laughs> tell people about Jesus, be like, you know, we have a sick heart and Jesus <laughs> gives us a new heart. And I actually kind of experienced that. And I actually you know, I can't, got a new heart. Uh, <laughs> Literally. Got so feel free. There's another missionary friend of ours, and he uh, already used my story at a summer camp to share the gospel. Wow. He says, you know, I've got a, a friend who has a sick heart and he needs a transplant. And you know what? What we see in the scriptures is we have a heart of stone. It's sick. It's full of sin. And we need Jesus to give us a new heart. So feel free to use my name and take this story. And uh, if it helps you share the gospel— then great. Hopefully that'll be the case too. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, and and even that phrase, like we invite Jesus into our hearts. Like Mm -hmm. does that, does that, have you thought about that? Like you're getting a new heart. Yeah. I've thought more about that. You know, heart of stone, we get a heart Heart of of flesh. flesh. We have a, we get a new heart. A lot of times we talk about sin as a disease caused by our rebellion and we need Jesus to heal us. So if my story can help you illustrate this for, <laughs> for believers yeah. and non-believers, you know, follow my friend's example and uh, just use there it. Hopefully, it'll it'll be it'll be helpful. Hopefully, it will. I think it will be, Jonathan. God uses yeah. it all. All right. Well, it's so great to spend this time with you, Gwen. Lovely. I really it. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Josiah Venture Stories. For more information about who we are and our vision and mission, visit us at josiahventure.com and follow us on social media. If you have any questions about this episode or like to get in touch with our guest, please email social at josiahventure.com. To help more people hear about this podcast, please leave us an honest written review or share this episode on your social media. Thank you, friends, and have a blessed day.